some pretty bold things to us through this passage. And so starting in the beginning of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Now, let's set this, let's set this scene up for a little bit. Jesus is beginning his public ministry at like this point in time. He'd been teaching in the synagogues. He's growing up, like going and being a part of things. But he's beginning his public ministry at this point in time. And he's going out and he's traveling. The Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Jacinaret, it's, it's a big body of water that has towns all the way around it. And a lot of the gospels take, take place in, in this area. And Jesus had been performing miracles. He had, uh, he had just been healing a lady, which we'll talk about in a second. But c- people are starting to notice who Jesus is in this moment. And Jesus is going out and he is meeting people where they are. And so this is one thing, the first thing I would tell you that you just really need to wrap your head around, that I need to wrap my head around this morning, is that Jesus wants to meet us where we are. Jesus really wants to meet us where we are. See, because there's two things actually going on here. Not only is he preaching to the people, but the crowd starts gathering in and starts closing in around him. Now, whether they were pushing him back or if the crowd was growing large enough that he needed, you know, his wireless mic wasn't working that day. And so he was like, hey, if I need to push my way off into the water a little bit to where the water will carry my voice. If you have ever questioned, does water, does water kind of carry your voice really well? I want you to go sit in the middle of a lake on the opening morning of duck season, one hour before shooting time. And what you're going to find is that you have grown men full of testosterone early, early in the morning before they've had a cup of coffee, navigating a boat through water that has stumps in it. And then they're going to figure out where they're going to put their decoys. Some of the best arguments and fights that you will ever hear in your life are out in the middle of the water. You will hear people screaming at each other when their boat is hung on a stump and they're like, you idiot, I told you not to. And it's just, it's unbelievable. And they may be across the lake, but it carries across. So Jesus said, let's get in the boat. And it happened to be Simon Peter's boat. You know, I don't think it happened to be Simon Peter's boat. I think that this obviously, as we'll see, was a part of Jesus's plan to meet us where we are and meeting Simon Peter where he was. They had been fishing all night. It's important to kind of wrap your head around this. As on the Sea of Galilee, fishing takes place at night. That's where you, that's where you fish. That's where you catch fish. That's where, that's where it happens. And they were at the end of the morning, they had been cleaning their nets. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But they had been going at this all night long. And Jesus said, hey, Simon, will you push me out in your boat? And so he began to teach. You know, Jesus wants to meet us where we are. I want you to think about this. There's so many times that we look and say, hey, I want to be where God wants me to be. I really want to meet God. And I want to get my life straight, get my life in order. But if you are like most people, if you are like me, the tendency is that we want to get to a spot that we have in our mind. We need to get things in order before we go to get things in order. If that makes sense, let's say that you're wanting to go work out. You're like, hey, it's time for me to work out. 
be healthy, I'm going to join the gym, right? That's a, that's a logical, that's a logical explanation. All right. You want to join the gym. You're at that spot. Go talk to Trey Smith and sign you up, right? I'm going to go join the gym. But if you were like a lot of people are like, okay, before I go, before I start working out, I need to go work out and start eating healthy before I go to the gym so that I don't look like an idiot when I go. And it's like, who is this out of shape guy? You know, it's like if you're getting your house cleaned by someone, what I always hear is like, uh, you know, hey, I need to pick up the house. The cleaning lady's coming. And it's like, that's what it's for, right? It's like, I don't have a problem with that, you know? I mean, not that we have a cleaning lady. We do. It's me and Janelle. But if we did, you know, it's like, hey, that's what it's for. But we have in our mind so much that we need to have things together before we go to get things together. And I think what we've got to wrap our head around this morning is that Jesus wants us to know he's willing to meet us where we are. That's nothing more that he wants to do. So let's take and step into the story in verse 4. It said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, and that's really important. Make sure we keep that in the back of our mind. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. It's a big statement. There's a lot of background going on in this statement. Honestly, when you look at that, there's a lot of resentment in Peter's comment. It seems like a simple explanation, I mean, like a simple request. Jesus said, hey, we're out here. I finished speaking. We're out in the water. Simon, let your nets down and let's catch some fish. But see, here's the reality. I've always had in my mind that when they would fish, it would be big cast nets, you know, and maybe they were big, 8, 10, 12 foot, throw them out, weights drop, pull it up, catch the fish, and then go, and then they were cleaning their nets. But see, in reality, they did use those nets, but this was, and I think this helps us wrap our heads around this so much, these nets that they would have been using, that Jesus would have been talking about, would have been about 8 foot tall. And as they were eight foot tall, they would have been about 300 feet long, the length of a football field and, and huge, massive nets. And to put them out was an undertaking, right? It was, it was a lot of work in itself and they would set an anchor or they would tie it to a boat and then they would start feeding it out and they would make a big circle and bring the nets back together and whatever was in the net they had, they had caught. Well, after they finished fishing all night and doing this time and time again, for them to be prepared to go into the next evening, they had to take and have those nets clean, have those nets fixed from the holes, have those nets ready to go, washed off, ready, folded in the boat so that the next night they could do it all over again. Because here's the thing, their livelihood depended upon them catching fish. It wasn't like they were going out and trying to catch a few brim to, because they wanted to relax. This was their livelihood. Fishing take place at night. That was one of the best fishing. This is later in the morning. Would be far from prime time to go fishing. And Jesus says, hey, Simon, let your, fish, let your nets down and let's catch some fish. And Simon says, Jesus, we worked all last night. We didn't catch anything. Why should we do that right now? Not only that, but he's saying, we just spent the whole morning getting these nets clean, getting these nets ready, getting everything prepared. And honestly, Peter's probably really tired right now. He's probably frustrated that they didn't catch any fish. If you look at it from a real world perspective, he's probably worried about it because their livelihood depended on it. He is fixated on the fact that they didn't catch any fish. 
And Jesus is almost like, it's almost like Jesus is pouring salt in a wound and saying, hey, let's go get it. And Peter responds to him and he says, he says, master, we didn't catch anything, but if you really want us to do it, I will, we'll do it. That word master is a term of respect. It's like if I was saying, hey, Mr. Clayton, all right, Mr. Clayton, Clayton, that would be a term of respect, but it would be different if I said, hey, Mr. President, right? That Mr. President means it's a whole new level of respect. It's ultimate respect, and it's really like adoration. And that's what he's saying to Jesus. He's saying, Master, he said, man, he said, I respect you. But see, what Jesus was doing here was not just throwing like a random request out there. Jesus is testing Peter in this moment. And that's what I want us to grab is this morning is that Jesus wants to test us where we are. Jesus wants to test us where we are because when Jesus tests us where we are, a lot of things, a lot of things happen. I've always looked at this and said, hey, you know, when Jesus tests us where we are, then he knows that we are faithful and that he can bring us bigger and better things and, and use us in a greater way, which is true. But I think psychologically, it's very fair to point and say that when we pass a test, when we when we prove faithful on the other side, it does something to us and develops our faith on the inside. And this is not going to be on the screen, but James 1, 2 through 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It's a step of maturity. It is, it is a step in our, when God tests us, it gives us a chance to mature spiritually when we are proven faithful. It's like Abraham and Isaac did when God said, hey, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. The one thing I'll tell you about tests is a lot of time when God is saying, hey, I want this to happen. A lot of times it doesn't make sense because we have in our mind that it needs to be the certain way. And this is how life would function best. And God says, well, look, I'm fixing to mix you all up. And this is how I want it to I, I want it to look. And I, not only does it make us follow it specifically, but on the other side, when we get a glimpse of how God has worked in our life through that test, there's nothing else to point to but to say that that was only something that God could do. I have an eight-year-old little girl and a two-and-a-half-year-old little girl, and they're miles apart, um, just how they respond to people. And, and Addie is just kind of, she grew up and she was the only kid around with any of our friends. And so she would sit and talk to adults when she was four years old and just carry on an adult conversation. Ella just kind of grew up and came out of into the world and said, it's my world. I'm going to do it like I want to do it kind of thing. And we got ready to start potty training her. And if you've ever potty trained a kid, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tedious task, right? And so what we found for Ella is she's just kind of fun and just kind of wants to cut up. And so when she would go TT in the potty, we would kind of all dance and her and Addie will dance around the kitchen after. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they're having a party, like a TT party, you know, and they are, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. And so when you see, that happen and time and time again to where she starts maturing and she starts growing. It's like, hey, we're going to go out in town. We're going to we're going to not use a pull up. We're going to use regular panties. And so it's like, hey, it's an exciting deal. Well, her and I, I were gone. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to leave it wide open like this. We were at a large retail establishment. Okay. And me and her were going out on a date and uh, we we're kind of hanging out and we're walking around and she looks at me and I'm trying to get through and get my stuff. And she looks and she said, daddy, I got a TT. And I was like, Oh gosh, 
we're in the back of the store. And all that I'm going to say is that we took off, but we didn't make it fully, right? And at that point, you think morally, I need to go get a mop and a, you know, but then your panic sets in and it's like, what do I do? I don't want to tell them my kid just wet your floor, you know? And I'm like, Ella, don't say anything. Come on. And we ran out the door, you know, and you get to that spot and you realize, hey, we're not there yet, right? <laughs> we're not there yet. Now, luckily we are now, but at that moment we weren't there yet because she's still developing and growing. God wants to take our spiritual life and develop and grow and make it into something great. And these tests is what he does in order to do that. And so he's sitting and he's talking to Peter and they let down their nets. And to save us some time, I'm going to tell you in verses six and seven, right after this, what ends up happening is they say they pull the nets up and the nets were like so full of fish that the nets began to break, that the nets began to fall apart, that they were trying to get the fish into the boat. And the boat was so full of fish that Simon is waving to the other boat that was there saying, come help me, come help me, come help me. And they feel to where both boats are almost sinking, to where both boats are almost to the point of sinking. And in that moment, something triggers in Peter's mind. Something triggers deeper than Peter's mind in his heart. Something triggers that I think is the defining moment in Peter's life. When I look at this, this is what I would call the defining moment in Peter's life. He went from resentment to what we're fixing to see here. And it was a a major leap. In verse 8, here's what he says. It says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh, Lord. Remember he said before, he said, Master, we'll come back to it. He said, Oh, Lord. Please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that he had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Peter, in this moment, had put out his nets, probably honestly with a little bit of resentment, but he had enough respect to do what Jesus had asked. Maybe it was because, without a doubt, this is what we do know for sure, without a doubt, Peter had had dealings with Jesus prior to this time. This was not the first time that he had met Jesus. At the very least, at the very least, he had seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law just prior to this all happening. So maybe he, 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 even though he was resentful about the gnats, maybe he was, I've thought about this when I was reading that. Was he resentful about the gnats or was he resentful that Jesus healed his mother-in-law? I don't know. It was like, hey, she's lived a good long life, you know, <laughs> pat her on the back. We love you, you know, but whatever the case, he, he was, he was, he was kind of resentful, but he still followed God in his resentment. And one thing that sticks out to me, even in his resentment, he was honest with Jesus about it. He looked and said, Jesus, I fished all night long. I ain't caught any fish. But if you want me to, I will. And I think about so many times we try to play games with Jesus. Jesus knows what's going on in our heart. And I do think that Peter was right on with it. He was like, man, I don't really want to do this. There's no point because this is, I'm going to have to clean nets again after we do this. I'm not going to get any sleep today and I've got to go at it again tomorrow because I hadn't caught any fish and my livelihood depends upon it. 
But in that moment where he saw the nets full of fish, what ended up happening is Jesus took and made a beeline straight for his heart. And it broke him. It truly broke him to the point that he is like falling apart and he's on his knees and he says, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. See, I believe what happened in that moment was that for the first time, even though he had had connections, he had been dealing with Jesus and maybe he had already even been called. Some Bible scholars think that Jesus may have already even called Peter to be his disciple. But at some level, he had already bumped into Jesus. He was he was he respected Jesus enough that to do what he said. But in that moment, for the first time, he came face to face with who Jesus really was. He went from admiration Hey, master, to complete submission, Lord. And he said, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. At the same time that he came face to face with who Jesus really was, he came face to face with his own sinfulness. And when he came face to face with his sinfulness and Jesus's holiness, he realized that the two could never be together. He realized that they were, they could never be together in his, in his panic mode, like me running through the store, his panic mode was like, man, just get away from me, Jesus. I can't even be close to you because he saw Jesus for who he really was and he was broken. But at the same time that that happened, as he called him Lord, and we don't get the full picture, but I believe with everything in me, this is when Peter like completely by his words surrendered to Christ. He had an opportunity for the first time to start understanding what grace really is. Because even though we are filthy and nasty and Jesus is holy, Jesus desires to make a way for us. Not only does he desire to make a way, he's wanting to meet us where we are. He's wanting to test us and push us further. And then it comes a point in time that he breaks us. And it comes to a point that it's like, man, we have a choice to make. Do we follow? Because Jesus is all about convicting and calling us where we are. Jesus is all about convicting and calling us where we are. He's not waiting for us to get it together to say, hey, I want you to give your life to me. He says, come to me now, who, all of you who are weary, all of you who are burnt down, that are just like tired, wore out, and let me give you rest. Let me be the one that puts this back together. And I think it's so interesting that he looked at Peter and the way that he broke him, the way that he made the beeline straight for his heart was through a bunch of fish in a net. But see, I have to question, was it because Peter was so fixated on the fact that he hadn't caught any fish, that that's where his mind was, that that was what the center of his attention was, that that's where everything in Peter's life was like, man, I've got to catch fish. And Jesus is like, hey, you want fish? Here's fish. You see that? Now look at me. And over and over and over in the Gospels, you see Jesus making a beeline to people's hearts in different ways, breaking down barriers that people are keeping them set, like from being able to see God. You see the woman at the well in John chapter four, Jesus sits down and she's at the well at midday and she is going and she is, she is dealing with, uh, she's dealing like with the idea of being pushed aside. She's at the midday when ever, after everybody had already gone and got water because people didn't want to have anything to do with her. And what does Jesus do? He just sits down and starts talking to her. It throws her off so much. She's like, why in the world would you even talk to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're a man. I'm a woman. What are you even doing talking to me? And then he sits down and he explains to her that he wants to give her eternal life. And I believe in that moment, her life has changed. And she goes back to the same people that had pushed her aside because of some very poor decisions that she had made in her life. And said, let me tell you about the man that changed my life. 
You see the woman caught in the act of adultery and, and, and she is circled by a group of religious people that are figuring out who to, who's going to throw the first stone. And you see Jesus writing in the ground and just sitting there scribbling and, and, and he looks up and he said, I tell you what, whoever was without sin, throw the first stone. And they start leaving one by one, starting with the oldest. And then it's just him and this woman that had made a terrible mistake that in that day and time deserved death. And, and he says, we're the people that, uh, are condemning you. And she said, they're not here. And he said, well, neither do I. He said, go and leave. He didn't say it's okay. He said, go and leave your life of sin. Then you see, lastly, the, the man, the rich young ruler. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus starts laying. He's like, great, I've done all that since I was a kid. Jesus said, hey, one thing. He makes the beeline for his heart. And he says, hey, last thing. He said, take all your possessions everything that you hold dear and throw them to the side, get rid of them, give them to the poor, then come follow me. And it says the man walked away sad because he was not willing to do that. We have things that in our heart are guarding us from seeing Jesus and Jesus doesn't want to be a master. He doesn't want to just be here. He wants to be the Lord of life. And here's my question for you. Here's my question for you. Is Jesus, do you, I believe, I've said this to our students many times. I believe that if somebody is attending church on a semi-regular basis, that at some level they really do want to do what God wants them to do and honor God with their life. I really do believe that because I've lived that. But there is a difference in just respecting Jesus enough to do what he says and seeing God as complete Lord over our life. So why in every church across America do you have people that have been members of this church forever or they have been here attending for so long they can't even remember? But the only thing that says Jesus in their life is in an attendance at a worship service once a week or um, even twice a week. That's the only thing that says Jesus. And then you have to see other people in church that everything that they do screams that they're a follower of Christ. What is the difference? And could it be the fact that those people that, that you just see their church attendance is that they respect Jesus enough to obey him in, fellowship, in, in, in being in church, but they don't know. They've never seen Jesus face to face because whatever is in their life is keeping them from making him Lord of their life. My prayer, my desire for, for us this morning is that we don't get hung in that trap, that we break out of that mold, that there, that there is enough honesty in this room and enough honesty and humbleness with ourselves that we say, you know what, I'm tired of playing the game. And I'm going to tell you, I've played that game and I know how miserable it is because you know, hey, I've been doing this. I've been a part of church. I've been, but you know that there's nothing really truly going on inside of your life. And you just have to say, what in the world? And it's, it's, it's no fun. There's nothing rewarding or fulfilling about it. My prayer is that we see something happen this morning in our lives that, that whatever, those fish in our life, that God can make a beeline and break through that and we can be honest enough to do what Peter said. Verse uh, 10, and, second part of 10 and verse 11, says, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. See, the reality is that we have an opportunity at any given moment to respond to Jesus. And Jesus is willing to convict and wants to convict and to call us on our life. That first call is the call of salvation. And then from there, he can begin working in our life and developing our faith. 
and grow in us, but it, we can't develop and grow in our faith until we accept that call of salvation. And in that moment, Jesus said, look, I want you to leave everything and I want you to follow me. And it says they dropped it and they left. They dropped it and they left. The same thing, all their fishing nets, all their gear, everything that he has held as like the center of his focus in this. I hadn't caught any fish. He left it because he wanted to follow Jesus. And I'm not, it's Jesus saying, hey, you need to drop and leave your job. You need to leave your family. No, but whatever it is that you're holding higher in higher regard to him, you, he can't be Lord when other things are Lord. You can only have one. And so for every single person in this room, that may look completely different, but the, the, the end result is the same, that Jesus wants us to drop it and to make him Lord. He wants us to come face-to-face with who we are and face-to-face with who he is as the Savior of the universe and start really grasping what it is to be a child of God. That's my prayer for us this morning. Will you pray with me? As you begin to pray, I, I just kind of, I would like to ask you just to, just to sit and think, not blow this off. I know that the situation looks different than it did in the story of Peter and Jesus. But this is the same Jesus today as 2,000 years ago with Peter. And I just ask you to be open and honest with yourself and open and honest with God. My thought is that if you are holding something in higher esteem than God, that that is probably going to be pretty blatant. And you're, you're, you're going to know that, and I feel like. But if not, I just ask you to say, God, is there, is there anything that I'm looking at as my fish? And you have to make the decision, what, what is going to be Lord? That thing, that relationship, that job, that girlfriend, that boyfriend, that hobby, that sport, your kid's sport. What is it that you've got to set to the side and come face to face with who Jesus is? come face to face with who you are and start understanding what grace is and understanding what it is to grow with God. If you've never given your life to Christ and you want to do that, there's nothing more that I would want. Pray to God and say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I believe that Christ died to pay for my sin and to give me direction and to be the Lord of my life. I want to turn from that and I want to give my life to you. I want to make you Lord. I want to have complete submission. I'm giving you my life to do with it what you want. Come into my life and save me today. If you feel like you've slipped away from where you need to be, I just encourage you as we go into this time of invitation. Either where you are up here at the uh, at the altar, let's let's be real. Let's 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 quit playing games, and let's be real. If you need to kneel at the altar and pray, if you just need to cry out to God, that is my prayer. Will you stand and respond?